As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to From the Ricker End, a Watford podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, Watford have just won away on a Friday night, 1-0, uh, away at Derby County. I'm joined by Mike. Good evening. Hello. Uh, and Jason. Hello there. And uh, let, let's talk about the game. Um, this is the classic game, Mike, where I think over the last five years, I've sort of looked at the, you know, you, you flick on to Sky Sports. It's Friday night. It's a championship <laughs> game. You go, jeez, poor. This is terrible. But it wasn't an amazing game of football to write home about, generally. But for Watford, how did you feel coming out of that game? Definitely not one for the neutral, and I've got no problem with that whatsoever <laughs> because obviously we're not neutral and, and we want um, we want Watford to win these games, which they've done. And I think, for me, that is the archetypal Vladimir Ivic performance, if we can say that. Yeah, I mean, it's only the fifth. Is it the fifth league game of the season? It feels like this season's been going on for about six months, and that was only our fifth league game of the uh, of the season. But I thought the bottom line is Watford defended incredibly well, looked incredibly well organised, one beautiful moment of quality, won it, game over, see ya. Uh, we'll do it again next week. Won't be next week. It'll be midweek. Well, it'll be Wednesday. Yeah, <laughs> see you twice next week. Yeah. So, yeah, for the neutral, absolutely not not much to to get enthused about. You know, Caroline Barker and was was anchoring the Sky footage. It was sort of almost a bit apologetic at halftime, wasn't she? But yeah, I thought for for Watford, it was absolutely uh, terrific. Isn't the right word, but it's terrific in in terms of where we need to be for our season. We'll talk about this game. We'll also talk with Adam, uh, the Watford correspondent for the Athletic, uh, and find out what happened today in this last day of the transfer window but Mike you know I'm not gonna lie there was excitement with with myself with the Watford fans when uh, it seemed to be that Watford have kept hold of uh, a few big players Kapu is staying Deeney is staying Zara is staying Hughes is staying there was a huge amount of excitement and then the team came out and mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie um, it felt like almost the worst case scenario we could possibly have for our squad. So I wasn't expecting a lot, but I wanted to see what 
almost in, in my feelings was the worst case scenario team we could put out i think my work after 10 years of my my negativity <laughs> has finally rubbed off on you all i can retire a happy man you're all as miserable as me worst case scenario but you i know, know, I know yeah. exactly what you mean I'm, yeah. I'm pulling your leg of course and i have to admit when the team came out I, I i felt a little bit deflated and then i kicked myself back into gear and said actually look at this side it's a decent side and I think we were all we we're just exhausted after the transfer window, right? I think me in particular. I don't know, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I just felt so tired by the whole thing, and I just wanted it over and done with. And we've said a lot that our season starts tonight, and I kick myself a little bit for saying our season starts tonight because of course it didn't we were coming off the back of a international break and we're we're blessed enough to have uh, players that were out on international duty and it's also the end of the transfer window so there's always going to be the the stuff around that so really to expect our fully formed team to sort of pop out of the chrysalis tonight was all was was foolish on on my behalf and so Yes, I had that initial, the same thing that you described, that initial sense of disappointment. Oh, when are we going to see our first eleven? And I thought, actually, hang on. As I said at the start of the pod, this is only the fifth game of the season. It's a tumultuous situation, uh, unprecedented, very, very difficult, a tightrope that everyone's had to walk through. We can be patient. Um, so, yes, there was that initial disappointment. But then you look at it, and that's where we are at the end of this this transfer window with a decent side, and this is a very decent championship side that took to the field tonight and did a really decent job on, on Derby County and came away with three points. So, yeah, really pleased. Jason, let's talk about that first half. It wasn't, as, as Mike's already said, the most talkative and, and, and not the greatest for the neutrals. But as uh, you know, looking at Watford, how they played, overly conservative for you? Maybe not conservative. I thought maybe more predictable than anything else. Predictable by the fact that most of our attacks were coming down the left-hand side. I think we were looking to utilise Kiko Firmenia's pace, but then also the fact that Ken Simmer was that round peg in a square hole in that he was forced to play uh, central midfield, but we were actually utilising the fact that he can get wide. And to be fair to him, I think he was the one player that was looking to take people on and trying to get past them. And he did do that. And I thought we did that quite well, even though Derby would have been wise to it quite quickly. We still got into threatening positions, but then the problem was the uh, the final delivery, the, the crosses weren't good enough. Um, I think it was more about this, the decision where to put the crosses rather than any lack of technical ability. Um, and the same came from the set pieces as well. There was a lot of not being able to beat the first man. Um, and I think that probably added to our frustration as much as anything. Because that's my thing, like Jason, looking at the game, everything was going down the left. And my question is, great, we're trying to use the, the pace of, uh, of Kiko and the pace of, of, of Sema. But why also not down the right? Is there anything you think particularly was a problem? Were there any square pegs and round holes on on the right hand side? No, not necessarily. I think um, I think if you're going to if you're going to focus the attack down the left hand side, then the right hand side is going to be more defensive. But I think also the way that Derby were playing, perhaps that led to Ngakia not being able to get forward as much. Mm-hmm. Um, he was certainly holding back. I think he was stopped from being able to sort of get up the line uh it meant he was always having to look inside quite quite early and sort of playing a square ball to cleverly or chalaba uh it also meant that keener was a bit isolated so whereas he his role probably was to try and get forward to support pedro as much as he could um there was a big gap between him and the rest of the midfield so i'm not sure if he knew whether he was meant to be 
or having to drop deep uh, to try and get the next ball. Obviously, Ngaki wasn't going up the line, so he wouldn't have had an out up there either. I think there were times where the ball was being played, more longer balls were being played up to him, and he didn't have anyone to give the ball to. There was no no chemistry between him and Pedro tonight. I thought there was the, the, the link play wasn't there. Um, so it was not necessarily Keane's fault, but it was. I think it was a struggle for him. But then also the way Derby played as well. I think Geordie mentioned on our WhatsApp group that that Rooney's touch map was very focused down that down their left hand side. So Ngakia had to help out, look after him. Then I also thought the young lad Jason Knight had a good game on the left hand side. Um, and perhaps it was telling that when he moved over to the right for Derby when Lawrence came on, I think. Uh, then Ken Semmer moved over to our right and, and Gakia had a, a bit more freedom to and to, to get forward a lot more. I think it was interesting. I mean, we've, we've been quite sort of dismissive of the of the first half. And John, I'm interested that you say, did you, was it cautious, the conservative, the word you yeah. used? And I think we need to get used to that. Watford are well-organised, well well-drilled, defensively strong. And I don't think that necessarily means conservative. I think it, it means less chaotic, probably. And we're, it's something that we're not really used to, isn't it? Over Probably over our Watford supporting careers, really, just to, to see a, a team so well-drilled as this. And... I actually, it's a it's a rare feeling this for me, but I, for the first sort of twenty, perhaps twenty five minutes, I felt Watford were just in charge of the game without looking, like you say, without looking too flashy or, or, or exerting themselves too much. They were making all the running, and they did look like the the better footballers and the better drilled, the the more organised side all over the all over the pitch. I felt, and, and that did sort of drift a little bit towards the um, towards the as the as the first half wore on, but. I don't think this side is is far from looking pretty decent, um, and we ended the first half potentially with a um, with a penalty shout, didn't we? Well, there was one before the uh, first half, and and there was one after. But yeah, let, let's talk about those those penalty decisions, Mike. Well, I'll hear later on when you speak to Arlo that he definitely thought they were <laughs> whether they were penalties. Um, no a very miserable Arlo. A, a mental yeah. note to, to myself: <laughs> never interrupt Arlo watching a uh, a Watford match. He did not take too kindly to that at all, as you will uh, as you'll hear later in the podcast. Yeah, on a tight turnaround on a on Friday night <laughs> game, um, but it was both clearly for me penalties. Is this the first situation you found yourself in? Going, I wish we had VAR. Never. I think it's nice to, nice not to have it. But they they are penalties. I mean, Tom Cleverley for the first one looked absolutely incredulous, didn't he? That that it wasn't given. And the, every time you watch it, the more, the more it looks like a, a penalty. The guy just puts his hands on him and and pushes him down. It's that age old phrase. If it happened in the middle of the park, it'd be a free kick every single time. Not even nine times out of ten. What? Yeah, cleverly got the wrong side of him. Then he got got in front of him, and he was yeah. there. And the defender knew it and and had to act yeah. and did act and got away with it. Yeah, blatant pen, and then uh, and then for the second one, um, it, you know, it was a great save. <laughs> simple, simple as that, wasn't it? Hand, hands out and and cleverly again later in the game as as uh, as Derby piled on the pressure a little bit. He blocked, but he moved his body uh, in a way that was to, uh, to keep his his arms and hands out of the out of the way of the ball, and that just wasn't the case for early in the second half from the from the Derby guy, was it? His his hands were 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 out from the side of his um, out of the side of his body. Great save, definitely stopped the ball on its uh, intended tra- trajectory and, and should have been a penalty. I will caveat that with it's very difficult to see as a as a referee um, 
you know, you don't, there's, there's bodies in the way and it happens at a million miles an hour. So it's, it's difficult to get those those right. And I guess they are on the side of, of caution without VAR. But yeah, two two uh, two penalties that, that Watford should have had. Interesting. Here's a question for you then. Who would have taken him? <laughs> I was wondering that. Yeah, I'm not well, sure. I wonder if Kiko, Kiko would have taken it. Oh, I was going to say, it just, wouldn't it just fall to either who got the penalty or Pedro? It's an interesting one. Because he's the only striker. And you always think it would go, if Dean was on the pitch, Dean would get it because he's a penalty taker. But I think either it defaults to whoever got the foul uh, or, yeah, or just Pedro. But anyway, we don't have to worry about that. It didn't happen. Um, and we won the game without the penalties. The, the bit, I suppose, I was, I, I got to a moment about 65 minutes in, just after 60 minutes. I'm looking at it thinking, okay, I don't think we've been here before. We've been at nil-nil. And we got that in the West uh, Sheffield Wednesday game. The other games, either we've been behind or we've been in front by by the hour mark. And I'm going, okay, well, what what is it? What's he going to do? How's he going to act? Is he going to throw someone on? Is he going to you know keep defensive and just see if he can get a possible goal? And then all of a sudden, in 76 minutes, Jao Pedro scores a goal that we've dreamt of Jao Pedro scoring. It was a beauty, wasn't it, Jason? Absolutely. There's not much more to say. And an assist for Ben Wilmot as well, which I was just as delighted with. Um, and and that's because I, the way um, we play, we talk about how solid we are defensively and we're playing with three at the back. But we also know that we allow though the outer centre-backs to move forward, to roam forward, to try and make something happen and, and unlock defences. Because otherwise, if teams match you and set up in the same way, it's going to be quite hard to unlock unlock their defence. And and we did that by putting that extra man up there. So that worked. So that was a joke about Ben Wilmot getting assist, but it's good good to see it. It's what we were trying to do to unlock the defence. But yeah, it, it took a moment of magic. And I think you you sensed it was going to take either either a moment like that or a mistake from someone. And it was just brilliant and, and fantastic for Jao Pedro. Talked about after the Luton game about him needing something, a bit of luck maybe to to get a goal just to increase his confidence. And we said that he is a confident player and he's been happy to put himself about. But this, I think, just will just raise his confidence another level to be able to score a, a, a goal of immense quality like that. Keeper hadn't been tested by us all game. And mm. then we've stuck one in the in the far corner where he can get nowhere near it. Absolutely brilliant from the young lad. Yeah, it was. And, and you could, like you say, Jace, I think that that's a really important point aside from the goal. You could see the the release and the delight that, that Jao Pedro had just sort of roaring with, with happiness as he sort of sped off after scoring. I mean, it was just a fanta- fantastic goal. And that's the Jao Pedro that we, we've hoped we signed, isn't it? And that, that could be the difference for us going forward, just that little bit of quality. I think that's the basis. That is the... Archetypal Watford performance, I think. Say, stay firm, stay solid, stay well organised, and then work on the basis that we've got that flair up front. When you get the opportunity, they will come in this division. You will get that little bit of extra space. We gave them a little bit of extra space a couple of times as well. So you know, Rooney could have scored later on, but we have got the quality up top for for that to happen. And it was just, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we all did. It's just that roar of like, oh yes, what an amazing goal! This the 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 way he manoeuvred his body, controlled the ball, and just arced it into the top right hand corner was was absolutely was absolutely joyous. And that's what Watford can do: stifle you at the back, force you into sort of running around, making mistakes, and then and then hit you with that. And yes, we're not doing it. You know, every two or three, five, ten minutes, there's not chances. Like you say, Jace, we're not peppering the goal, but. We are we are seeing a lot of the ball. We are looking very firm, and I, I suspect we are 
awful to play against. Uh, really frustrating, I'd imagine, um, to just to sort because you probably feel like you're vaguely in the game, but we didn't really give any, any, away any chances until later in the in, in the game, did we? When when Derby were going forward a little bit more, they made a few substitutions, but yeah, just a, a wonderful situation for for João Pedro. So pleased for him, and hopefully he can he can kick on. It was definitely uh, Jao Pedro one, Wayne Rooney nil. There was a a moment uh, early before you know before the game started, all the graphics, and you know we are of an age where Wayne Rooney is younger than us, uh, and you know knowing that we watched him when he was twelve or whatever it was when he played for Everton the first time round, you know this sixteen year old, and then you see a picture of Wayne Rooney now next to Jao Pedro, and you think. <laughs> You look a bit old there, Wayne. <laughs> the, you know, the, the years have not been amazing to you. Uh, but he sh- he showed his flair. He showed what he, he still has in that locker. And he was, for me, the only danger uh, that they sort of had in there. He did have his, his chance, one-on-one almost, but Cavaselli got his uh, his foot in. Uh, and it just went a bit a bit, a bit wide, which was a, a, a relief to us. Not suppose, a relief to the uh, to the sound guy though at Sky. No, he it was got in because he hit the goal, didn't he? Yeah, but also I think the uh, other sound guy didn't take the uh, volume yes. down enough because there was a like a slightly rude word there from Mr. Rooney, which uh, <laughs> is not surprising. The, the Can I say that, about that? I was going to say about that chance as well. I thought that was quite telling about um, True Stickon's debut mm. because they didn't see a chance like that when uh, yeah. when he was patrolling the middle of the uh, of the of the back three. Not not a sniff did they did they have sort of going through the middle, um, and then all of a sudden he's off and Cabaselli's in there and, and not to uh, diss Cabaselli in any way but all of a sudden um, Rooney's found some space between Cabaselli and Wilmot and uh, and say so had the chance for the for the equaliser so just thought I were thought I'd raise that. I think I think that's I think that's right, Jason. We talk about what a what a great defensive performance, as if it just sort of kind of happens. It's like oh yeah, the defenders did their job, but they were really really good. And we we spoke about the about the potential uh, Watford penalty in the first half with the defender getting the wrong side. I thought Ben Wilmot was was terrific on a number of occasions where he just stayed the right side, didn't he? And they're all just doing the the, the sensible, the right things really really well. And that's difficult because you have to stay switched on. You've got people like Rooney buzzing around and strikers who's, and attacking players whose sole intent it is is to bamboozle a defender or to buy a bit of space to get the other side of you. And to stay switched on for, for 90 minutes is, is difficult. So we've sort of bandied it around a little bit saying, yes, we've defended very well. We've conceded one goal in the league so far in five games that really does take some doing so I think you're right hat tip to, to Trusty Kong on his uh, on his on his debut but also across the piece it, it takes some doing and I don't think we should um, we should take that lightly it's been really impressive it's 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 great this episode is supported by FX's welcome to Wrexham celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds's small town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One FX's welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX stream on Hulu from the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson. It's Arlo. Arlo, how are you doing? Good. A bit annoying because I'm interviewing you during the match. I'm disrupting your viewing. Uh, it's Friday evening, Watford nil, Derby nil so far. What do you think of the game so far? Dumb. Dumb? Why dumb? It was a clear penalty. 
There was, you're probably right. But never mind, let's move on to happier things. It's the end of the transfer window today, Friday. Um, Troy Deeney and Ismail Assar both staying at Watford. They haven't moved on during this transfer window. How do you feel about that and how does that change how you think Watford might do this season, Arlo? Better, but I still think we'll stay in the Championship. Oh, you're not as positive as you have been in previous weeks. Why, why not so positive? I don't know, not sure actually. But you're pleased that Troy's staying? Yeah. Please, Sar staying? Mm-hmm. A message for the team, then? Can you give them something a bit more positive? Keep going and never give up. All right, mate. Sorry, I'm distracting you, aren't you? Uh, aren't I? So, uh, thanks very much for joining us, Arlo. Enjoy the rest of the game. I'll leave you to it now. Thanks. Bye. Today, we did hear the closing of the window. I don't know if that was a, a Windows 95 computer or if it was Windows NT. But it was closed <laughs> and we are now having a Watford squad. We tweeted on at Watford Podcast, a little graphic I put together. Uh, I think it's all factually correct uh, of, of, of what we're left with. Um, but what we were left with, Mike, especially after today and this week even, we're left with Etienne Capoue, Will Hughes, Troy Deeney and Ishmael Lazar. These are players, and we'll speak to Adam about actually why these players are, are still Watford players uh, in, in, in part three. But that was quite a surprise, for maybe for John a month ago, maybe not John the last week, but yeah, that, that those boys were there and yeah. they're still Watford players. I'd, I'd, I'd surprise for me, and I think the reason that I mentioned earlier has been so tired by this um, by this transfer window is it's felt like everything's been players leaving Watford, hasn't it? Players that we either had high hopes for uh, leaving or players that we knew could do a job leaving. And I think the fact that we've hung on to, well, for whatever reason, I think it's important to recognise that they are now part of the Watford squad and we're going to move forward at least for 10 weeks until the blooming window opens again. Um, it's a brief respite, isn't it? But I was surprised as well. And looking at the squad now, Ben Foster in goal. We've talked about defence. A midfield, we've got a uh, an, almost an embarrassment of riches really now for 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 the championship and and an, an array of sort of striking talent. Which, when fit, we've got a lot to choose from. So, it really is a strong looking squad. And I know there's a little bit of disquiet about not bringing in a a left back, but we've got Messina to come back. We've got Kiko Firmino who, who's played tonight. Who you know he's he's a Premier League. He's a top flight player, isn't he? Um, and, and Ken Semmer can fill in there. So I think really, as as Watford supporters, last time we were in the Championship, if we could if we we could have had a squad that we've we've got now, we'd have been very very happy. So I'm glad it's over, and I think I'll take the next 24 hours to really compute uh, and get to grips with what we've ended up with and 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 what this squad can do. Um, and then I think really. Wednesday night at home to Blackburn, who have had a decent start and a decent side. They've made some signings of their own. That'll be the start in in a lot of ways. Uh, And I have to say, I'm really excited. I I think we've got a great coach in Vladimir Ivic, and I think we've got quality throughout the squad. I think we're in a position to give it a great go. Bloody hell, Mike. I know. No, no. (laughs) I've got the television on still. It's on mute, and your face comes up on it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> how do I look did I get my good side well they look like some nice filters on you that's all I'm going to say um, Jason though you know this we, we talked about this on our uh, our whatsapp group you know we are going to be in many ways if we have the full strength side the envy of the championship and is that because of flair or do you think it's because of experience 
I guess the, the first thing that the, the opposition are going to see are the names and they're probably going to be fearful of the names. And that sort of happens when when we published our squad numbers and, and we knew there are a lot of names on there that uh, that weren't going to be on the on the uh, team sheet come today at five o'clock. But the reaction then was, we're cheating. It's it's not fair. <laughs> and even now, if you look at the, the players that are left, the likes of Kapu and Hughes and Deeney and Saar that, that haven't played today, um, it, for a championship side, that that is incredible. That is, and, and amongst those names, there is experience, there is flair, there is promise, there is excitement. Um, it, it's amazing to think that uh, that we've still got them to come into the side, and and yet we're still winning games comfortably, if not by by massive scorelines. And on that note, going back to the start of this piece, John, I, a hat tip to your uh, knowledge of Windows operating systems. You know <laughs> that I work in IT. <laughs> um, and I was having a conversation about our performances so far with a colleague. Um, and when I read out our score lines to him, he um, congratulated us on the achievement of getting a nice set of binary numbers <laughs> for our score lines. Here you go, then. Let's be super geeky. If Watford were an operating system so far this season, uh-huh. which operating system would they be? Oh, Jace. That's 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 a uh, that's a good one. Linux uh, <laughs> could be, yeah, a bit, a bit, a, a bit off the beaten track. <laughs> uh, non-standard, open uh, source, but, uh, but uh, open source, popular choice, Ubuntu. There you go. <laughs> but this, what we're left with, Mike, and, and and how you feel overall. You know, we know we've talked about this you know, this situation we find ourselves in as a football club mm-hmm. uh, and as a as a footballing family and community. You know. In the football league, you know, are you are you satisfied? Does it feel like we've done the work to keep players, or we've done enough work to bring players in? I think the the really important thing to to recognise is just what a difficult situation this has been for football as a whole, but definitely Watford. We've spoken about this before, but getting relegated this year is problematic. Um, so there's the whole economic issue going on out there in the world. Uh, the face of football is changing, as we've seen with um, with the various suggestions about Project Big Picture or whatever it's called. So is, we're all painfully aware that there are issues with football um, and financing football um, and the wider world. So this has been a very, very difficult transfer window for, for everyone, but but definitely for us. So I think for us to have navigated that, and ended up with a squad which I think really we, we'd, we'd be churlish of us not to be happy with, speaks volumes about the organisation of the club um, and that we're going now into the, certainly this next section of the season up until the next transfer window with a squad that I think will do us proud. Um, there's enough to be excited about um, and they're going to they're gonna be challenging. I think I think that much is clear. I think Ivic is, is a great manager who's obviously worked really well and there is talent in every section of the pitch and I think that's testament to the to the owners to those that work at the club to to have maneuvered us into this situation you'd you'd like to think that they wouldn't make any they're they're quite pragmatic i think they're not going to take any gambles with wages and salaries and and transfer fees so you'd work on the basis that the squad we have we can afford and i think that is that's that's really important i don't think we should gloss over that gino pozzo and scott and uh, and everyone else involved at that level were a, a, a trusted guardians of the club 
uh, and I don't think we should underestimate the tightrope they've had to walk this um, this uh, trans- I was going to say summer, but transfer window. You know what I mean. And, and I think to end up where we are, we are is is good, exciting, and uh, yeah, we're ready to go and, and, and in decent shape. I think I feel pretty grateful, really, that a we've got a a club with built on on solid foundations, um, and yeah, some exciting players. And I get to get I get to watch Etienne Capoue again. Who's who can complain about that? Uh, you could complain about that. I'm, I'm Indeed, sure. I will. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is from the Rookery End. So we're joined now by uh, Adam Leventhal, the Athletics correspondent for Watford FC. Adam, good evening to you. A good evening. Uh, we've just watched the game, 1-0. Uh, and, yeah. and I suppose you've spent most of your day, another another <laughs> transfer window closing day for you, sort of trying yeah. to chase things and, and, and see what could and, and might not and, and what's going on with Watford players and where they might end up or not. And, and would, would you say, after everybody staying, it feels like, was it a quieter day than you expected? It was a, it was a full day. Um, obviously, at the centre of it was Ishmael Assar. Was he going to go? Was he going to head to Crystal Palace? Um, I got a sort of an inkling on Thursday evening that things were pretty much pretty much done and it was going to be very very difficult to extricate him from from Watford on that final day I mean everyone would have realized pretty much it's not it's not rocket science but you know the squad were were traveling to a game um, a lot of the sort of the staff were were going to be away yes I know the hierarchy can be based at the training ground and they can do their business and all that sort of stuff and can head up for an, an evening game but you know I, I think in general terms when you've prepared a squad you've told uh, you know your head coach you've got x amount of players or whatever I think you know it's difficult for clubs to to try and do business on on deadline day and I think that the feeling there was that you know this is a, a redundant day effectively and unless you're going to come in with a, a massive bid that is game changing then nothing's going to happen and unfortunately for for crystal palace <laughs> uh, they didn't put in um, a particularly a particularly significant bid and that was sort of dismissed um initially you know 25 million pounds really okay fine well no that's been dismissed if you're not going to follow up then Fine. Well, that's done, and it, it seemed to sort of be settled uh, pretty early. So that was the sort of the, the main one. I, I suppose there was always, and we'd spoken about this before. There was always the chance that someone else might sort of wade in, you know, the likes of not necessarily Liverpool, but perhaps Manchester United. But it seemed as if that had sort of, you know, come and gone very, very quickly. At the times that they made their approaches, the structures of those deals didn't work out, and you know, no one else really came in uh, working alongside um, Dominic Fifield my my colleague at, at the Athletic he also sort of brought up the the issue of of Ren who'd earlier on in the window potentially sort of put in a bid to try and take Ishmael Assar back for for their season in the Champions League which I would have quite liked I think that would have been quite a nice story but I just don't think it really ever stacked up um and then obviously you know towards the end of the day people were thinking hang on a minute where's where's Ishmael Assar why is he not in the squad and it seems as if that there was some 
I think disappointment that he'd he'd returned so late um, from training with with Senegal, and you know I think it was basically weighed up that okay let's not stress too many players that have been out on international duty especially when you've got so many games coming up I think it's like seven games in 23 days or whatever it is um, so yeah they sort of pulled him out and and also Etienne Capou who we knew about you know a week ago or so um, he wasn't playing obviously due to that ankle injury and people were thinking oh here we go again but no you know obviously he's around and then it all started at the beginning of the day with um, with Troy Deeney the fact yeah. that you know we were able to confirm that he was he was staying, which all in all, it made it, a, it, yeah, it wasn't a day where loads of things were happening, but it was more confirmation of, of you know, some, some good news, basically, wasn't it? Very much good news, I think. Um, and there was a lot of excitement for Watford fans. My question is, mm. was there excitement at Watford in the club? I mean, you, know, you listen and you read what Watford fans are saying, you know, well done, Gino. It, 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 I, the image I had in my head was him stood at the gates of Vicarage Road with a lightsaber, batting away any Premier League clubs that are coming his way. Stay away from my players, stay away. <laughs> was it that much of a battle for him, especially in this situation, this you know, financial situation, the Premier League clubs as well as the EFL clubs find themselves in? Was it a, a hard thing for him to, to keep these players? I think they were very sort of philosophical about you know certain players Ishmael Assar being being one of them you know they thought well look if if someone does come in with the with the requisite amount of money you know 40 to 50 million pounds then fine we'll we'll do business that it makes sense we'll make our money back he will get a good move it helps his reputation it also helps the reputation of 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 what for football club as well being a you know a good springboard to you know a team a bigger team in the, in the uh, in the top 6 hopefully um and then i think that that's why the crystal palace deal never really really appealed um not to do a disservice to crystal palace because they are of course a, you know a premier league football club they seem to always you know get themselves into a, a relatively safe position relatively early in a season They've got good attacking players. Defensively, they're pretty sound. Um, so, you know, it, it would have been a good option. And, and, you know, I think that Saar would have, would have gone if the finances had been right. But I think it's probably a little bit more of a, of a difficult sell, obviously, than, than going to Liverpool or, or, or Manchester United. So I don't think it was, it, was, it was tough towards the end of the window once the international window had, had closed to sort of fend off the deals. I think it was just basically, you know, survival of the fittest in a way that there wasn't going to be any teams that had the amount of money that Watford would have demanded um, that were sort of putting their putting their offers in. So I think it was it was pretty it was pretty straightforward in the end. Obviously there were other issues though, wasn't there? I suppose the the, the question, Adam, I want to to know. I know you can't tell me because you can't read Gino's mind. But you know, we expected lots. Who of... says I can't? Who says I'm so... I can't? I'm absolutely sorry. I don't know if you, uh, how you're. Um... I've, I've, I've got fed up this week with some of the accusations on social media. <laughs> I seem to seem to know exactly who I am, what I am, what I do, and and how things go. Who says I can't read Gino's mind? <laughs> for the this... record, I can't. Okay. Just, just for yeah, just for the fact. Yeah. Disappointing, slightly, Adam. Disappointing. <laughs> uh, you know, the the fact is that we expected at least three of the players that stayed today to stay. Um, I know that he's done some lovely business this week, I suppose, by getting rid of one on loan to Craig Dawson to to West Ham. And what feels like good business to let Daryl Yamma and well, uh, Danny Welbeck to be let go out of their contracts. Do you think, though, he sat there tonight with a 
alcoholic beverage in his hand, satisfied with the business he's done in terms of what he's got as a squad, but also financially? I think that they will know that, um, you know, certain things conspired to make things a little bit tighter than they would have liked towards the end of the window, because I think they would have liked to have brought in a left back. But um, not being able to do some of the bigger deals and, and included within that is is Saar, uh, included within that is uh, Delefeu, maybe getting sort of, I mean, not being disparaging because it's a lot of money, but sort of odds and sods millions for for sort of Troy Deeney perhaps and um, Etienne Capu in terms of transfer fees. You know, that could have all sort of added up. So the fact that those didn't happen contributed to, to meaning that towards the end of the window, they basically had to sell before they could bring in, you know, another player. So it was a little bit tight but I think in the grand scheme of things, if you look at the business that they were able to do, you look at obviously the early sale of Decore, the combined sales of Estupinian and uh, Suarez. And if you lump all that together, that's around about 50 million quid. Um, it's not bad business. And also, you know, we've spoken about it before, having that safety blanket of of Udinese, being able to sort of plop Gerard Delefeu over there for for a little bit, and then you can still realise a you know an onward transfer fee for him at a later date. I think is is um, is obviously is obviously a good thing. And then you sort of boil it back down, and you think yes, we probably wanted to evolve the squad by moving the likes of Dini on and Capu on, and maybe we you know were thinking yes, we might have to find another answer for Saar, but we could have reinvested some of that money. You've now got these players. And you start to look at it and you go, yeah, we are in the championship and we've got all these great players. And, you know, you look at the side that played against Derby, I think it's around about seven players out of that team that would expect to come back in and be starters. You know, Dini, Saar, Capu, Hughes, Gray, Messina, you know, Cathcart was was on the bench because um, Truce De Kong, uh, started so you know you've got incredible strength in depth and you've also overall you've also made some shrewd signings as well so you've you know you've brought back Ben Wilmot you've got Jeremy Ngakia on a free whilst you've flung Craig Dawson the other way to, to West Ham so you know that there's been some moves done but I think that you know we have mentioned it before doing the things with with Danny Welbeck and Daryl Yammat you know that was that was basically trying to get them off the wage bill and as i understand it combined they were on around about 100 grand a week you know welbeck had 8 months left on his contract jan matt who hadn't played since last year still had 2 years to go on his contract so you know you're also future proofing your your budget as well so you know it's been it's been very very tricky work over the course of a of a transfer window which lasted i think it was 82 days and there were 22 deals, 16 out, six in that had to be done. So, yes, fans can get annoyed about, oh, yeah, well, we didn't get him or he should have gone or whatever. But I, I've got a lot of sympathy for, you know, the hierarchy having to do all of this in such a, a tight space of time I think. well n never mind fans being annoyed adam i'm a little bit annoyed because you sound <laughs> oh, right, far okay. too you sound far too positive and <laughs> now I, now i realize how you guys have been feeling with me being positive and and the question i've got for you adam and it, it comes back to what you were saying earlier just just then about 
how we've ended up with what is a very, very good squad. And you, you take the, the the team that took to the field against Derby and we could switch out six or seven um, of those players for upgrades, if you like, without being too disparaging to the side. So is there a concern perhaps at, at Watford that in this transfer window we have, as John said, sort of used the, the lightsaber to fend away the, the hordes after our, our best players for whatever reason. Have we kicked, is there a worry that the, the can has been kicked down the road a little bit? Because, of course, the transfer window opens again, horrifyingly, in 10 weeks' time. And if Ismail Assar rips up the championship, if Etienne Kapu catches the eye, uh, Will Hughes... Is there a danger that in January clubs will have had a bit of time to sort of reset, um, work out where they are in the in the pecking order, work out the sort of economic situation in football and, and the wider world and come back in a little bit harder with firmer bids for, for some of those players? Uh, and then we find ourselves in a bit of a pickle in as much as, you know, January is a, is a very difficult time to, to do incoming business um, already, isn't it? So if, the, if, the, if some of those vultures... Uh, if taste buds are tingling come come January. Does that leave us in a in a in a tricky spot? Well, I think everything you said is is you know it's spot on. Uh, yes, thank you. I think uh, it's, thank it's, you for listening to it from the end. Yeah. We'll see you next all week. All the best. Yeah, come on, you ones. <laughs> um, no, I, I, look, I think I think yes, it, that could happen. But at the same time, the things that um, Watford would have done if they got the money in can also happen. Mm-hmm. So that's that's you know that that's the sort of the long and short of that situation. But as you mentioned there, yes, it's a difficult um, window to operate in because it is only four weeks long, which means it's um, it's difficult to it's difficult to buy players. But also, you can be more defensive in terms of your arm, basically saying, "No, look, we're not selling now." Um, they've done it in the past. They don't usually sell big in January. I think probably the biggest one was was Odin Agalo, which was also ironically done on on a deadline day as well, wasn't it? So, mm. you know, I think that another thing that is is part of the conversation in January is what sort of form the players are in, if they're enjoying life again, if you know if clubs are going to come in for them. Yes, there might be some big clubs, but you know, often clubs that are buying in January are ones that haven't got the right answers in the Premier League sure. who are yeah. in the lower echelon of the division as well. So do they want to swap a, a fun time, you know, potentially winning promotion with with Watford, a club that they know that they might have sort of reconnected with a little bit after the disappointments of last season? Or do they want to jump into a, you know, a relegation battle potentially in the Premier League? So there's also that to think about as well. So yes, yeah, it's only 10, 11 weeks away. And we're gonna do it. All, we're gonna do it all again, <laughs> but fingers crossed that they have. You know, at this point, they've gone. Look, right, come on, give me a. And you can get you can do that easier in in January. I think the can has been kicked down the road a little bit, but that's just football, isn't it? You're always going from one window to the next. Sure. Have you had any tweets yet, Matt Adam, asking about transfer rumours for January? <laughs> not not yet okay. but I've just it's only been of, a few hours uh, yeah exactly it, they'll they'll come but but that's do you know what i mean that's the nature of the beast now though isn't it and it really it really turns the screw on everyone involved that yeah everyone's just thinking oh well we'll have the answer in january or we'll have the answer in the summer we've said this before the the squad now needs to bed in and we've got this beautiful sort of situation where nothing can happen really yes we'll get injuries and all that sort of stuff but we can just hone the squad that we've got 
And Ivic, although he didn't get his left back, but they have got cover with Kiko and they have got cover with with uh, Semmer as well. And they hopefully will get Messina back, who has actually got a left foot, which is which is helpful, like Semmer, um, to play on that side. You know, I think that they'll be, I think they'll be there'll be a sort of a, a sigh of relief now. Yes, you've got the win, but you can also just concentrate on only these players. And if you want to be with me, you know, it's it, it's my way or the highway because we're we're hopefully heading in one in one direction. And they're great players. This is a really, really solid, decent squad. We said it earlier, there's talent from front to back. And I think we've come out the back of this window. It's felt never-ending. It's felt exhausting. It's felt depressing in some ways, confusing Mm. in others. But we've come out of it, I think, um, as football fans... We can be hopeful. As Watford football fans, we can be hopeful of what this, this squad can deliver. And I think we need to be thankful to the, for the owners and the club for delivering that. It's now over to, to Ivic and the players to, to show what they can do. But I think there is every cause for optimism. The game tonight wasn't the most... Uh, it wasn't going to win an, a footballing Oscar, whatever the equivalent of that is. Uh, any suggestions to at Watford Podcasts on your, on your socials? It's not going to win any... Uh, awards for 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 best dressed football, whatever. But we're with the chance, I think, as it stands, of of having a really good, solid, successful season, and that's all we can ask for as 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 Watford supporters of a relegated team. Let's not forget treading a tightrope of difficult times on and off the pitch. Uh, and I, for one, am really really enthused. And now I'm going to have a good night's kip tonight. And I think the season starts now. And I think the season starts now with a solid squad an exciting squad, a manager who I think can can do good things. So bring it on. Bring it on. Well, it's definitely bringing it on because even though it is 10 weeks, that does seem like a short amount of time before the next window. There's a lot of football to be played between now and then. So, uh, so Vlad has got plenty of uh, tweaking and building and harmony. Harmony? Harmony? Harmony to be used. Harmonising. Harmonising. We did that. We almost squad. said that at the same time. Harmonising. 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 I don't think we're making it through to the next round. Uh, thank you so much, Mike. You're more than welcome. Well done, Watford. Well done, everyone. Let's go. And well done, Adam, on a, on a probably a very busy few weeks. Have a good rest this weekend. I will. Thanks, gents. Have a lovely weekend. Uh, thank Jason as well. And thank you for listening. Do follow us uh, on all our social media at Watford Podcast uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, and we'll be back with another podcast after Watford take on the mighty Blackburn Rovers on Wednesday night. Come on, you on! <laughs>